Welcome back, everybody, to Sloan Cold Facts. I'm your host, Marcus Sloan. As you can see today, it's just me. Solo. Uh, the first time I've been solo is the very first episode. So, you know, a little bit uh, a little bit different. No guests tonight. Got a lot of stuff to talk about. It was a crazy uh, week last week here in the H, man. We had, um, first thing first, we had the McDonald's game. Um, a big deal, the McDonald's All-American game. Uh, the top high school players in the country every year, probably, the, not probably, the, the most prestigious high school All-Star game in the country. Uh, the McDonald's All-American game was here in Houston at, at the Toyota Center. Um, my son, Jackson Sloan, <coughs> excuse me, he's, he's kind of locked into basketball now. He watches it a lot and wants to play and excited about playing. So, um, he wanted to go to the game. You know, he knows some of those kids he watches and sees on YouTube and stuff and on social media. So I took him to the game. It was a big time experience for me. Um, obviously growing up, man, that was one of the things I wanted to do. And I was a nominee. I obviously didn't make the game in 2001, but uh, my son wanted to go to the game and experience it was a really good feeling for me. And, um, shout out to my guy, Eric Bossy. 247, Bossy's been a solid dude for a very long time, man. Um, he took care of me. He got me two great seats, and uh, he even brought my son a McDonald's All-American backpack with some T-shirts. So it was something I know he won't forget. I won't ever forget. Uh, you know, one of those lifelong memories, man, father-son memories. And I got the Cool Dad Award, obviously, for, you know, getting him hooked up and in the McDonald's game. And, you know, obviously – with the McDonald's game, a lot of guys were in town in Houston, so it was good to see, you know, a bunch of national media and NBA scouts and uh, college coaches, obviously, leading up to the Final Four. And um, so, so that was Tuesday. And obviously, Wednesday and Thursday was the start of the Final Four activities. So, if you don't know about Final Four, whatever cities that it, uh, it comes to, there's always parties and mixers and social gatherings and networking events. And so, obviously, with it being in Houston, a lot of the coaches and people in high school basketball, grassroots basketball, college basketball, they were, you know, they hit me up and like, yo, what we doing? So when we got locked in for Final Four, I'm like, shit, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not like a clubber like I used to be. I used to be in the club tough. Um, shout out to the Euro Tour, man. Every, every summer we did what we call a Euro Tour where the guys that played overseas in Europe, we would come back home and have big parties here in the city. So, but you know, man, you know, I'm older, I'm 40 now, I don't club as much. So the guys are trying to get into something, looking for something to do. Leave final four weekend starting that Thursday. So I got with a few, you know, party promoters here in the city and we had a nice little lineup Thursday through uh, Sunday, actually. And I almost died during final four. Uh, Ram was supposed to be here <laughs> so we could tell his story, but too bad I'm going to tell it. So, again, my, my near-death experience during Final Four. Um, so, Thursday, from 4 to 6, I had a Rice basketball mixer at 13, James Harden Restaurant. Shout-out to my guy, uh, Coach Greg Howell, assistant coach at Rice University. Uh, coach Scott Paravan Green, those are my guys over there. They invited me to their basketball mixer on Thursday from 4 to 6. So because of how crazy we knew it would be, uh, Brandon and I decided to get a hotel in the medical center. It's kind of close to the action. That way we would have to commute all the way, you know, back home and 
back downtown or or back to midtown, back on Washington Avenue where all the you know clubs and parties would be. So we got a hotel in the medical center, centrally located, it's perfect. So I go on Thursday, I check in. Uh, brands getting their hair done or something. So I, I check in. The event is at 13, the restaurant, 4 to 6. So I walk in, get a glass of Malbec. They got wings. They got fries there. Chilling, eating, talking, trying to network. Sidebar, I'm a terrible networker. Um, that's, that's, that's one skill I need to work at because it's like, yo, once we talk about what we got to talk about, like, we're like, we shooting the shit. Like, like, you know, it's always awkward for me, like, to network. Hey, I'm Marcus Sloan. I do X, Y, Z. So I got networking. I have to work on that. But anyway, so I'm there. I get there about 5 o'clock because I know after the rice mixer, I have a Black Coaches Association um, dinner from 7 to 9. So I get to the mixer at 5. I got, they got some wings, some sliders. I'm hungry. I, you know, I get some wings, get some fries. I already had the one glass of all back. Boom, I get a second one. So now I'm eating. Now I'm, you know, I'm semi-full. Still chatting up with some coaches. So that ends at about six. So Greg Howell and I go to the other part, you know. I get a couple more drinks. A couple Casamigos, lemonade. But I'm, I'm, I'm still coherent. I'm great, actually. I'm, I'm good. So then seven to nine comes to now seven. So by 8 o'clock, uh, the Black Coach Association, shout out to my guy, Poot Jeter, who's a big part of the Black Coach Association. Man, as a matter of fact, any coaches that watch this, you guys need to get hooked up with the Black Coach, the BCA. Um, they do a, a bunch of great stuff, um, you know, kind of uh, networking situations, and they have tools to help coaches. It was a great seminar here during Final Four, actually, too. Um, but the, the so the BCA dinner's next. <clears throat> Excuse me. So now Greg and I we go to the other other part of the restaurant. I got a couple drinks, more drinks, Casamigos. So so far it's two two glasses of Malbec, two Casamigo lemonades. Go to the dinner. I got the the chicken and shrimp pasta with broccolini. One more glass of Malbec. So now I have three Malbecs. And the two Casamigos. So now I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm feeling good. So now, brands like, hey, I'm I'm headed to the hotel. So now it's about nine thirty ish. I go back to the hotel. I'm still okay. Brand brings some Crown Apple, some lemonade, and champagne to the room. Y'all know we we get it in. So it was her and I. We kicking it. We chilling. Getting the room. We gonna get it in. So. She gets to the room. She makes me a crown apple lemonade. Boom, I hit it. We also have edibles. <laughs> the THC boys. So, now let's backtrack. Brain has been having trouble sleeping. Shit, seems like for the past two months. So, um, she took it. You know, we've been trying different things to help her sleep. Tied on PM, melatonin. Edibles, um, the edible not not so much THC, but the edibles kind of make you relax and chill. And so we found one brand that worked, but of course we don't remember. So about three weeks ago, I went and got another brand that had THC, and I asked the guy at the store like, "Yo, my wife is having trouble sleeping. I want an edible or a gummy that can help her relax and just chill." He was like, "Yo, take this one." This will have her like good. I'm like, cool bet. 
Again, it's three weeks ago now. Get back home, give her that that edible. Thirty minutes later, she all giggly in the bed, laughing. I'm like, oh shit, she high. So she giggly, laughing, joking. It's eleven o'clock at night. I'm like, man, yo, you supposed to be getting ready to go to sleep. You all laughing. She's like, oh. I'm... So long story short, is she is high. It's thirty five milligrams THC on the gummy in the gummy. So the next day, I mean, she's out there to about six p.m. next day. Right, so I'm, you know she's smaller than me, so I'm like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Fast forward, I took the crown apple lemonade, edible, big edible. We gotta go to a party at Thursday night, so now we get dressed. It's about ten forty-five, eleven ish. We pull up to the spot. Uh, they say it's cost forty to park. We have no cash, cash only. All right, so we go to the gas station. Now I'm starting to like feel it in my face. I'm like, yo, so I, I'm driving. I tell her, hey, yo, I can't feel my face. Hit her with the yeah, yo, with the Angel Reese boy. Like, yo, I can't feel my face. So I'm like, yo, I can't feel my face. She's like, oh, boy, here you go. So we pull to the gas station. I go out to get cash. As I'm walking out, I start to kind of like giggle and laugh a little bit and fucking drop my phone by the front door. Of the gas station. So she texts me from the car, like, yo, get your shit together. I'm like, all right, cool. Let me shake it off. Go to ATM, get the cash out, walk back to the car. Now I can kind of feel it in my legs a little bit. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'm I'm okay. I've been here before. So I'm driving. I'm like, baby, this shit is on me. Like, I can't, I can't feel my face. I can't feel my feet even. I'm driving. So you need me to pull over and drive? I'm like, no, I'm good. Now, remind you, she's a passenger princess supreme. She does not drive. So I'm like, no, I'm straight. About another 30 seconds, I'm like, oh, yeah. It's feel like I'm in a spaceship. I'm floating. She's like, pull over. So we pull over. We pull back up to the spot. Now, this has been like 20 minutes. 30 minutes since I've taken the gummy. So at this point, I'm like, oh, no. like It's going to be it's college coaches in here. Some of my dudes, my colleagues in here, like, I'm high. I'm fucked up. I'm, I'm, I'm out of there. I'm like, nah. So she like, should we go to this party? I'm like, nah, let's go back to the hotel. Because I'm, I'm, I know I'm about to be cooked. I can feel it. Yo, by the time I get back, she drives back to the hotel and parks. I cannot walk. She's like, yo, get out, stand by the, <laughs> by the pole in the parking garage. I'm leaning on the pole like, yo, baby, I can't walk. You got to carry me. Hey, yo, I'm 6'8", 270. There's no way she, like, she's like, hey, you got to walk. Your big ass got to walk us. I can't carry you. So, like, we go back to the room. I mean, so next week when she'll come, she'll give you the full breakdown. But long story short, I had a panic attack from the edible. Like, a wild panic attack. Like, we had to call it. Uh, ambulance had to call 911. They came to the room, gave me an EKG, like did the blood pressure boy. Like I'm in the room tripping. Like, yo, I'm I'm telling her I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm calling the kid's name, like tell Riley Lowe Jackson, I love him. I love you. I'm sorry, but I'm I'm cooked. Brands, I was speaking in tongues. <laughs> I was singing. I'm fried, like I'm fried, like a full-blown panic attack and so it was late and so I guess I was tired but every time I was like kind of doze off or close my eyes like I thought I was gonna die I was like no like so I would like doze off me like no 
I don't want to die. I got to stay up. She's like, man, yeah, you got to calm down. Try to, and she was fantastic throughout, like, throughout all this. She kept her composure. I threw up in the sink. In the, yo, it was, when she here next week, we'll, it was chaotic. And I thought I was finished. That was my first ever panic attack. I was like, damn, man, I'm about to die from an edible. Shit is crazy. Like, who dies from an edible? Like, I really thought I was, like, going to check out. She's like, you want me to call your mom? I was like, no, don't call her. Just when I die, just tell her it was food poisoning. I was like, don't call her. But so, yeah, I had a full-blown panic attack Thursday night, the first night of Final Four. So uh, she ended up, her, her friends came, and they ended up brought some melatonin, and I took that, and I finally went to sleep. And I woke up the next day. I felt it for sure. And so, like, you know, it's other events going on. It's other mixers Friday. So long story short, I ended up coming off that high probably, like, Saturday afternoon. But mind you, it's a clip I put out in a video and a picture I put out on social media Friday at a Houston versus Dallas All-Star game. Uh, shout out to my guy Jabari Johnson and Dallas Heads Up Foundation put together, you know, Houston versus Dallas All-Star game, man. And, um, at the game, I, it's a picture, like, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm out of there. I'm, I'm in outer space. I have no idea where I am from that freaking the night before. I didn't get much sleep. It was it was a wild time, man. Very crazy time. Um, but yeah, man. So in that was the first night, <clears throat> and so you know me, typical Marcus Sloan, I fashion. I also besides the parties and events I had, I had uh, the Houston versus Dallas All Star Game, Houston versus Dallas All Star Game that I spoke about. Plus, I had an unsigned senior event on Sunday in the midst of all this stuff. So Friday, man, we had our Houston versus Dallas game. It was it was good, man. We had some of the top players in Houston and Dallas, guys like JoJo Tugler committed to U of H, and um, Tyshawn Archie committed to James Madison, and uh, Jalen Bernard and from Houston. And we had, you know, they had some good players from Dallas. Uh, Justin McBride committed to Oklahoma State from Dallas. And, again, uh, the head coach at uh, Lancaster High School, uh, was the head coach of the Dallas team. I had my guy Chris Hines coaching the Houston team. And so it was a solid turnout. Um, I, I, I should have planned it out a little bit better, a little bit more advanced. But with all the stuff I have going on with tournaments, man, I, I didn't do a great job. But we had a really good turnout crowd-wise, and the kids played really hard. Houston ended up uh, winning that thing by 20. So shout-out to those kids, man. That H-Town kids got it done. Dallas had beat us, had, had beaten the Houston kids two previous games. So – it was a big deal for the uh, you know Houston kids to win it. So that was that was Friday night. Excuse me. So mind you, Friday during this backup Friday during the day, Final Four. I went to my guy Rossi Karen and um, what's my guy out of Atlanta? Um, um, dang, like uh, uh, from Atlanta, C Wheel. Uh, they had a mixer Friday, like afternoon Friday evening, and so. I went to that, still a little bit out of it a little bit, but want to show my support. Didn't drink. Just sat there, mingled, talked a little bit, drank some water, <laughs> ate some fries, kind of trying to get my legs back. Then I went to the All-Star game. And then Friday night, we went to uh, – we had a, another party at uh, the 80, Andre Johnson, 80 Sports Bar. It was a good look, man. A lot, of, a lot of coaches came. A lot of my guys came. We had a good time. And even then, I just kind of sipped a little bit on a little brown, a little crown apple. Not, you know, not, not too crazy. No mixed drink, just sip. So Friday, that was good. Friday night, I had a decent night's sleep. 
Saturday, boom, wake up. The Black Coach Association, BCA, they had their um, summit uh, at our hotel, actually. So I enjoyed that. Um, I had a day party that Saturday at 5015. Shout out to my guy, Steve Rogers. Now, by Saturday, about 4 or 5 o'clock kind of wore off. So we're at 5015. Had a good time, man. More drinks. Shout out to my guy, Corey Santee and Clyde Jackson. Everybody came through. Christian Big, all my guys came through. We had a good time. During the day party Saturday at night, we ended up going to Lumen. It was packed out. I got Tavares White Show, Love. Gave us a section in bottles. It was crazy. And then Sunday, so <laughs> Saturday night, again, crazy weekend final four. Saturday night, uh, after the club Lumen. So remember, we had a day party at 5015, night party at Lumen. Y'all saw the flyers. I was fucking everywhere. It was flyers everywhere. We had parties everywhere. Um, Brand wanted to leave early. We were still kind of tired from the episode on Thursday night, the panic attack. So we leave about 1.45. She's hungry. We go to the food truck, third ward, wait about 20 minutes on the food. We get back to the room about 2.30. I couldn't sleep till about 3.30. This was Saturday night. Now, my unsigned senior event started at 9 a.m. at Yates High School the next day. I did not have the jerseys. So I go sleep. I go to sleep at 3.30 a.m., Wake up at 6 a.m. I pack up all my stuff because we check out Sunday. Brand's going to stay there. So I, I grab all my stuff, put all my toiletries, my contacts. They're in the case, not my eyes. Put it in the case, put it in my toiletry bag, jump in the car. It's pitch black. I'm driving. I hit the first light like, damn, it's blurry as hell, bro. Like, mm. I'm thinking I'm just early. I'm just tired. I jump on the freeway, 288. Yo, it's pitch black. It's blurry as hell. I forgot to put my contacts in. I'm 30 minutes. I got to drive 30 minutes on the freeway. No contacts. Yo, it's 6.30 in the morning. It's pitch black. I cannot see anything, really. I'm just driving the middle lane going 70, praying like, damn, Lord, you spared me on Thursday with the panic attack. Please get me to my house so I can put my contacts in. Grace of God, made it home, put the contacts in, got the jerseys, put them in the system, got the schedule, printed that out. By 8 o'clock, I leave my house at 8.15, get to Yates about 8, high school by 8.30, camp from 9 to 2. I got a day party at Chapman and Kirby, another spot on Sunday, the last hurrah, from like 4 to 10. So we get there about 4, 4.45, 4.30, have a good time, man. My guy D. Ewan and saw all my guys, Regis, and my guy Chris Jordan. There was so many, so many coaches here, Reggie Freeman and – Andre Beard, there were so many dudes from across the country, man. We all had a good time at Chapman and Kirby. Shout out to my guy, uh, D. Scotty. Uh, he took care of me. My guy, Kurt, they uh, promote for um, Chapman and Kirby on Sunday. We had a good time, man. That kind of ended our Final Four. So very, very crazy Final Four. Um, near death, Two near-death experiences were really one with the panic attack. Uh, Brand saved me. She was a soldier, but we'll talk about that. Uh, next week, speaking of Final Four, start with the fellas. A little less drama than ladies. Uh, San Diego State, UConn, National Championship game, man. Um, young fella, Jayla D, Houston, Texas. San Diego State Reserve, uh, four-man. Uh, coming back home to Houston for the champ, you know, uh, Final Four. Team got the championship game. They lost to UConn the championship, man. And UConn, they, they were fantastic all year. My guy, Kimani Young, assistant coach of UConn. New Yorker, uh, shout out to him, man. He um, 
they ended up winning that thing for UConn in the city, man. So you know, it was a it was a good look. And then on 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 the lady side of it, we had LSU. Uh, you know, everybody's talking about how good and tough Caitlin Clark is, and she was a monster, dog. Like, hey, listen, you cannot take anything away from her this season. I know it was a lot of shit this last, you know, this past week on social media and this week about her and somewhere, but yo, she's a player, bro. Like a real player. And she put on the whole year. And so in the women's semifinal, they beat the number one team in the country, South Carolina, coached by Don Staley. And South Carolina got a whip, Aaliyah Boston. They got a super good team. But Caitlin Clark and Iowa, they beat them. And she had a 40 ball. Like she did her thing. And so now, you know, with Caitlin Clark, man, like she like she lit on the court. She got antics. Like, she'll talk shit and she'll, you know, like, be demonstrative and, like, be passionate. And some people don't like it. Some in the mainstream media, they call it passion, right? But then on the flip side, got this LSU team, Alexis Morris and uh, Angel Reese, and they kind of label them as, oh, they're doing too much. A little ghetto, a little showboating. You guys seen on your timeline all week about Angel Reese and so – you know, going into the game, there was a lot of drama already leading up to the game. And so, man, one thing also, too, about Angel Reese, she's a hooper, too, now. Like, big numbers all year, like 23 and 15 a game for LSU in the SEC. She's a monster also, first-team All-American, right? So, like, she got she got a right to pop her shit, too. And she does a lot. And so, uh, you know, leading up to that game, it was kind of like, it was some talk about, you know, you know who would come out on top and, we talking shit and like the kind of contrasting styles, even the social media. Uh, you know, their pregame, Iowa pregame is they, they listen to uh, uh, musicals and shit, high school musicals, and uh, LSU listen to Boosie, you know, before the game. They jamming Boosie Boo at LSU, but Iowa jamming high school musicals. You know, it was kind of contrasting styles, right? Iowa's all white team, uh, LSU predominantly black, right? So that was kind of some talking points before the game. And during the game, LSU, like, they were blasting Iowa, right? So Angel, you know, she did a little ring thing and I can't feel my face thing and kind of just talking shit back. And she got a lot of backlash from that, which was unfortunate because she shouldn't have, right? And the one thing, man, like, I always say is if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. And, man, again, like, you're talking about two really good players and Angel and Caitlin, like, yo, but when it comes to being competitive, when it comes to, you know, like when, when, when people don't understand, like when you're in that arena and like when you're on that floor and you're playing against other great players and other players, you know, your caliber, like, you know, you, you get turned up if you're a real competitor, right? And so you may see some shit they do and you may mock it or you may puff your chest out or you may have to let them know like, yo, like I'm him, I'm her. Like I'm a player too. Like you got to respect me. And I think that's all Angel and LSU – one, it was like, yo, we want some respect too. Like, we good players too. And I think they proved it by winning the national championship game. And I think that game was one of the most viewed games or maybe the most watched women's game ever, if I'm not mistaken. Or if it, if it wasn't the number one, it was definitely top five uh, watched women's bas college basketball games ever. So, again, man, shout out to Iowa. Shout out to, to, to LSU uh, winning the national championship, getting that dub, and Jill Biden. She fumbled, you know, was saying that I wish to visit the White House too. And it's like, that's never happened. We don't do that, right? So, you know, it's one of those things this week. Like I said, it was all over your timelines, all over our timelines where the whole LSU thing and the backlash of Angel Reese. And I love Angel Reese. It's, it's like when I look at her, 
I see my two daughters, right? You can be tall, you can be strong, you can be proud, you can be boastful, you can be cocky, you can be confident, right? You know, those are things like I, I want my girls to be. So like when my girls watch her or when they see her, I want them to understand like, yo, like I can be like that. And I, and I, I think Angel Reese is a hell of a role model. I think she has so many little girls looking up to her, uh, watching her, uh, wanting to be like her, wanting to mimic her when they play. And there's nothing wrong with playing with passion and playing with enthusiasm and loving the game of basketball. I think now that's some of the criticism we give kids, like they don't love the game or do they really love basketball or do they just love the perks of playing basketball, right? And I think Angel Reese is a beautiful example of when someone loves the game, who's passionate about it, who's passionate about her abilities, who's confident in herself. And we want young girls to be confident, especially young black girls. I, I'm an advocate. Shit, if I, yo, my shirt. Invest in women, pay women, hire women. Real talk, like, it's it's something I live by, obviously, with two daughters. Um, again, like, I want them to be confident. I want them to know, like, they can do anything they put their mind to if they work at it. And there's nothing wrong with being being bashful, being boastful or or, or being pride, pride, proudful or pride of what you do, right? Like, um, if you're a player, if, if you work hard at something, like, there's nothing wrong with, like, you know, letting people know, hey, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm that girl. I'm that dude. And so um, big shout out to Angel Reese. I'm a big fan. Um, I know she's got a, a, like got a lot more fans this week, actually, um, from, you know, just from her play, from who she is. And so I really respect her, honestly, man. And, again, uh, I, I think she's a big-time role model. Um, speaking of college basketball, um, the NCAA transfer portal, it's time, man. Like I call it Portal Combat, like the old game Mortal Combat. Um, right now, man, like the NCAA transfer portal. For people who don't know, never heard of the NCAA transfer portal is for kids who are in college athletics and they want to obviously transfer to a different school. The process now is you put your name in what they call a portal, and once you go in a portal, you have sixty days to either stay in or come out. Sixty days from the national championship final which was this past monday so 60 days from april 3rd or whatever day that was you can stay in a portal where you want to transfer to a different school or go back to your old school and so um with the ncaa rules like they're they're granting kids for the first time transfers like you can play right away you don't have to sit out i think for two-time transfers you might have to sit depending on circumstances and there's some loopholes in that but for the most part you can transfer we're going to go from one school to the next school without sitting out. No penalty. We'll play right away. And it's it's the wild, wild west, literally. Like, these guys are jumping the portal. And so what I always say is for college basketball coaches, it's extremely, extremely difficult, one, to already coach these kids. Um, they're so sensitive. And, again, I'm a parent. My kids are sensitive. Like, I was telling – uh, my, uh, my middle daughter, Logan, uh, hey, clean up your room. I had already told her three times before, mind you. So this time I said it more stern. Like, hey, yo, go clean up your room. She's like, why are you yelling? You don't have to yell. I'm like, I'm yelling because I just freaking told you clean up your room for the fourth time, like, and you hadn't done it yet. That's why I'm yelling. Oh, now you got an attitude. I'm like, yo, listen, I got an attitude because you're not listening. That's why. And so... I'm a part of that because I'm like, you know what? Maybe I am yelling. And so parents now, we as parents, like, 
we are to blame for these kids and their attitudes and how they look at things. And so the, to, to coach high school or shit, college basketball now, I applaud these dudes, man. It is rough to coach. The kids are out of control and the parents are even more out of control. Not all, most. And so with this transfer portal deal, man, it, it's, it's crazy, man. Like dudes are jumping in this portal for some of the craziest reasons. Like it's guys that jumped in the portal averaging like 25 minutes a game, like getting numbers and they want to like jump in the portal and see what's like if the grass is greener. And the other part that's tricking the game off is the NIL, which is the name, image, and likeness. So now for those under the, under who live on a rock, college kids, college kids can be paid for their name, image, and likeness. And so most universities, bigger, uni, bigger universities anyway, they, um, they have what they call a collective, which means it's a group of people or a, a kind of like a, 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 a board of people or it may, be, it may even be one person who like goes out and raises money through boosters or through companies in, in, in the city, in the area, and they give money to the student and they give money to the collective so the student athletes can be paid. And so certain schools have big NIL packages. I know Texas Tech has a big package. University of Houston has a big package. Texas has huge NIL. So now the bigger the NIL you have, the more likely you'll be able to recruit kids and recruit the kids in the transfer portal. Right. So that's also a big reason for a lot of transfers. A kid jumping in the portal, man. A guy could be at a smaller school like a Sam Houston, average 20 points a game, and a school like Texas Tech will be very interested in him or any mid or any high major school with NIL with more money. So he can go from making maybe two, three thousand dollars a month at one place to ten, fifteen thousand dollars a month. This is real money now. Not for all these kids. I tweeted that. Like a lot of these, a lot of these numbers are false too. So and that, that's the other thing with this NIL parents. If you're watching, kids, young dudes in college. If you're watching, when you talk about NIL bags and everybody getting a bag and how much money dudes getting, don't fall for the okie doke. Right? If dudes telling you, yeah, I mean, I'm getting one fifty. I'm, I'm getting two hundred. Make them show you the receipts. Show me the deposits that you get two hundred. Cause these guys are on here throwing out crazy numbers. Dudes who are averaging five points, four rebounds, saying they're getting two hundred thousand. That's impossible. No one's paying two hundred k or twenty grand a month for guys getting five points and four rebounds a game. It's not happening. So before you guys make a decision based on what so and so is getting at this school nil, and I can get that, make sure you do your research. Don't fall for the banana in the tailpipe. Make someone show you some statements, a, a document, a receipt. Because now, with this NIL, is always a paper trail. Make them show you the paper trail. Dude say you're getting 50000 a month. Yo, show me one deposit, bro. Show me before I make the decision to leave this one place because you telling me you're getting money that you're really not getting. And so, I I, I had some tweets early this week um, kind of about, like, the, 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 the transfer portal and NIL, you know, like it, it, it got a bunch of traction on, on Twitter just because, man, for me, like I always want to kind of inform the people and like use my experiences to help people. And also, too, man, like the thing we always, like freshmen, when you're a freshman nowadays, especially now with this transfer portal stuff that we're talking about, and also with COVID, the NCAA granted kids an extra year, an extra two years, some kids. 
So some kids are what we call six-year COVID seniors, meaning they've been in college for six years. And it was a guy, DeAndre Williams, who's actually from Houston. He was 27 years old at Memphis. So just think about this. Your 18-year-old, maybe even 17-year-old son trying to compete with a 27-year-old. It's impossible. I remember when I was 27, unless you were a super stud about to be a lottery pick, there's no way at 17 you can compete with me. Right? And so that's what's going on today in college basketball. You have guys who are 22. You have some 21-year-old freshman or a 24-year-old senior. And so incoming high school freshmen, like, they don't have a shot. And to be honest, like, that's what happened. That's what's happening on the high school kids. They are at the bottom of the totem pole now because of the COVID seniors and because of this uh, uh, transfer portal. Like, college coaches are going transfer portal. This is their pecking order recruiting. They're going transfer portal. They're going JUCO post-grad high school kids, right? And so when you when you are fortunate enough to get a scholarship as a freshman, the one thing I can preach to the college players and, and their parents is patience, right? Like I tweeted this, a tip for incoming freshmen, please don't get impatient about playing time. College coaches now have the option of taking a 20 or 21-year-old college transfer with three years of eligibility left. Patient and listen to credible people who really understand the climate is vital, right? And like, that's a big word, like someone who's credible. There's a lot of guys out here who just talk. And let me also say this, bro. Just because someone talks on social media, that doesn't mean they have a real, real platform and they can move the needle. You see guys, that's all they have is a Twitter account. <clears throat> they have no real influence. They have no real platform. They have no real motion. They just have a Twitter or Instagram, or even a Facebook account. And that's it. So when you listen to people about playing time, or you're thinking about transferring, or, or trying to make a decision, make sure somebody, you listen to someone who is credible, who actually has like some juice, who can move a needle, who can not only make a call, but who a decision maker at the collegiate level will listen to. Say, hey, okay, this guy's credible. I'm going to listen to him about this kid. And as a parent, you got to seek those people out. Like, don't guess. This is not the time to guess, <clears throat> excuse me, for parents who are uninformed, who are in, who are uninformed, right? So, like, if you have a college freshman and he didn't play, hey, be cool, be patient, like, relax, and seek wise counsel. That's super important, man. You got, like, kids jumping the gun. Like, it's kids who don't have any numbers as freshmen trying to, like, make moves, <clears throat> excuse me. And it's like, hey, man, like, these you have guys who are in front of you who are older, who are more experienced, who the college coach trusts. And so, for instance, man, like with with the, with, with the college portal, with the transfer portal, these college kids, you got kids, man, who have been in college for maybe two or three years already. And so, for a college coach, most incoming freshmen they have certain issues. They've never competed at the collegiate level. They've never gone through a weight program. They never they never have a had a college schedule, meaning going to class lifting weights, study hall, tutors, extra shots, extra lifting, treatment, practice, going to bed, waking up early again, more work, more treatment. They, they High school seniors, incoming freshmen, they've never done that, right? So it's always a learning curve. <clears throat> Excuse me. So for a college coach, they have to work for those kids to adjust and to mature. But now because of the transfer portal, they have the option of taking a 21-year-old who's been in college two years already. He's not homesick. He's already gone through what I just named with the going through the college schedule. 
He's seen a, a college scholarship report, a college in-conference basketball season. He knows what to expect going to play in college basketball, whereas an incoming freshman, they don't. And bottom line is these coaches, they're trying to keep their job. They're trying to win, and they're trying to win now. Very few coaches have the luxury of being patient enough to wait on certain players. So when you're trying to win, you're making two, three million dollars a year, eight hundred thousand dollars a year. You got to keep your job. You have to win. So you want to get with the players who are ready, ready, ready-made guys, basically. And so when you have a twenty-one-year-old, twenty-two-year-old, twenty-year-old sophomore, junior who's been there, as opposed to high school player, you gonna take the college kid. And so that's what's happening now, man. And so, you know, people are getting frustrated and they're getting impatient. And I just want people, parents, to just take a step back, relax, chill. Yes, if a coach leaves, okay, cool. I'm, there are certain circumstances where you may want to jump in the portal as a freshman. But most of these reasons are just impatience, right? Or, or like not being informed. And so I think, again, seek wise counsel, kind of understand and listen to people who know what's going on, right? Um, also, too, like, I, I, I've i been talking to college coaches and kind of just, again, it's my job to, to be abreast of what's going on, right? So um, dudes want to be the man. That's also a big reason why dudes jump in the portal. Dudes like, yo, I'm him. Um, I, I deserve these shots next year. I deserve to be the guy this year. They hold me. I didn't get the minutes I should have. I didn't get the shots I should have. I'm ready to be the man. And so I talked about that too. You know, like being the man means a lot of different things. Most guys want to be the man until it's time to fucking be the man. Right? Yo, when you're the man, you got to be the man every day. You can't talk about it. You can't put on social media. You can't tweet about it. You can't put on Instagram story. I'm him and a lion and all the, the, the little baby and Nardo song. Like, that's not get to getting your arm, getting a sleeve tat. That's not being the man. Getting your leg tatted up. That's not being the man. Being the man is in your actions. Like, being the man is being at the top of the scouting report and still getting your numbers, still helping your team win, still being productive. That's what being the man is. Every day, in practice, in the weight room, like, being the man. Right, so like dudes want to be the man when they haven't even earned the right to be the man. They haven't worked to be the man. Again, it's cool to say that shit, yo. I'm, yo, I want to be the man. I'm the man, dog. Like I want the ball. I'm him. I'm that dude. Well, have you earned that, bro? Have you put in the work to be the man? Right, because it's a difference between. I tweet this also. It's a difference between being at the top of the scouting report, like the number one, number two, or being in the middle, five, six. Even, it's a big difference from being number one on the scout, the top of the number one to the fourth option. It's a huge difference. When you're the number one, when you are the number one option on a scout report, they are game planning to stop you. They know all of your tendencies, your strengths and your weaknesses. Like you're game planning against, you're schemed against. This was this was the high level. Not even this was college basketball is about. If you're at the top of the scout report, if if you were the man, right, and so you have to. Prepare every day like that. You got to practice that you're going to get schemed against. You got to play like, like it's something that you got to work at, right? Like no one just hand, no one just said you're the man or give you that title without earning it. And so I think God jumping in that portal, trying to be the man and like they haven't earned it. And so what happens is when you think you're the man, but you haven't developed the work ethic to be the man, when you go to that new place, 
to that new school and like yo like I'm I'm ready I'm ready to take my 15 shots. And then you see how difficult it is when you're the, when you're at the top of the scouting report. When they shut down your favorite move, when they three-quarter front you on the post, when you can't get the same looks you were getting at the other school because you were the fourth option and the other team you were playing against, they were putting their best defender on your old number, you know, your teammate who was the number one option. Well, now you get the best defender. Now you get doubled. Now you get tripled. Now you get face guarded. And so if you're not prepared to be the man, if you haven't put in work to be the man, it's going to show. And again, so the thing that you really want or you want or you think you want, like you're going to see if you really like that. But if you haven't put in the work, it's not going to happen for sure. So if if if, if guys are jumping in that portal because they said, man, like, it's my turn to be the man, make sure you're ready to be the man. Like, make sure you're ready to be the man. Super important. Um, and now, again, college coaches. A lot of these guys are my friends and my dudes, man. I talk to these guys every day for a living. Um, and what I've been stressing to them is, yo, even if it hurts, even if you feel you might lose a kid because you would fuck around and lose these kids anyway now. They jump in the portal regardless. Like, tell them the truth. Don't lie. Like, college coaches have this um, stigma of being used car salesmen. Yo, now in this climate, keep it a buck. Keep it a bean. Don't lie to them. Tell them the truth. Like, no matter what it is, hey, yo, you might not be the guy next year. Uh, we, got a, we got some guys coming in. We're going to bring in some new guys. You might got to fight for that spot. No, you might not get these 10 shots a game next year. Hey, we might like, okay, we're looking to go another direction. Like, like keep it a keep it a thousand with them. Because if you keep if you're honest with the players and you don't lie to the players, um, at the end of the day, when you're transparent, when the shit's in the washing, when it all comes out, you can know like, yo, like I kept it real, like I told the truth. And whether you like it or not, it was the truth. So then the kids can make decisions based on truth. Not based on yeah, we're gonna play you, knowing you bring in some other dudes, or yeah, you or yeah, we gonna give you 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 can at least earn about 15, 20 minutes, knowing you got fifth year seniors or older kids you are gonna play, right? Like keep it a thousand with these kids and with these parents, so that way, like again, there is no dishonesty in it, and like there is no like it it was it was nothing like hidden, and like we all kept kept it all you know again everything was out in the open, so when people are making decisions. They can make they can make their decisions. Both both the, the school and the kids and the parents, they can make their decision based on the truth and not on some shit like, oh, well, you you sold us a you know you, you sold us a a, a a bag of goods and you told us it would be this and it wasn't, right? So like keep it a thousand with them. And one thing too, man, parents compare notes. Kids do too. So if you tell one kid something and that's not the truth, you tell another kid nothing. With the social media and the six degrees separation, man, these kids, they all know each other at this level. They're going to talk. And so it's, it's, it's best to just keep it a thousand, be honest, man. Um, it's, it's, it'll, it'll, it'll be good for all parties for sure. Um, also, too, man, let me, let me say this about Houston. Just real quick. I, I've heard this about other cities, too. This is also a tweet from <laughs> earlier this week. Um, I always hear Houston is toxic. Oh, Houston is so toxic. It's a toxic city. And people want to put a situation I had with someone else and always oh, so like that was a situation between he and I. It's not toxic. Like 
People have to make a choice of what event they want to play in. Yo, you got to make a choice. I won't hold against you. He won't hold against you. It's like choosing bread in a grocery store. So many different uh, companies, so many different breads you can choose from, right? That, that, that doesn't make our city toxic no matter what was going on because kids were still getting scholarships. Even in COVID, even in this climate, the, the transfer portal climate, the portal combat, we'll have 17 or 18 kids sign Division One scholarships in this 2023 class in Houston. Like on average, only like 25, 26. So we're talking about seven or eight less scholarships in what I'm calling the portal combat when they aren't even really recruiting high school players like that to still have 18, 17, 18 kids go to Division One. Come on, man. Houston kids are getting recruited still. Right, our city is not toxic. So, like, I'm gonna end that narrative here. It's not toxic. People saying stuff on social media, like I said earlier, just because people have a social media presence or a social media account on Facebook or Twitter, that doesn't mean they have a real platform. Like, you have to understand that. I hear it all the time, oh, this city is toxic, or excuse me, that city's toxic. I'm not toxic. Y'all listen to y'all watching and listen to tweets of people who have no juice who can't move a needle, who can't help you get on a certain level, can't help you get to a certain school, don't have a website, don't have a scout service, had to put together any recruiting material, but they're on the internet talking about a city and saying, we're this and, we're this and that, we're this and this, Houston is this, Houston is that, when they have no real platform, why are you listening to that? If this was any other business, this was on the street, this was in school, no one listened to people with no credibility or have no real platform, who's just outside talking, saying it's toxic, or saying it's this and that. So, like, let's dare the talk. Houston is toxic. Kids are still getting scholarships. You look at the NCAA today, there's Houston kids all over the NCAA, playing NCAA basketball all over the country they're playing. We won the, we're one of the leading cities in the country with kids playing basketball at the next level. It's not too toxic, right? So, like, I... I I've been wanting to say that for a long time, bro. Like, stop saying that. It's not toxic. Don't listen to the wrong people. Like, don't get caught up in the foolishness. Don't don't get caught up in the, how, yo, have a plan for your kid and stick to that plan. And again, seek wise counsel. A lot of times, too, man, people jumping around listening to this person, that person, that person, that person. Yo, seek wise counsel. Seek credible people. It's important. This city is not toxic. Again, kids are still selling scholarships. Kids are still playing at the next level. Just because people are tweeting, and those tweets don't have much weight at all, right? Sorry, it's more my little soapbox. Yeah, man, I, I've been wanting to say that for a while, man. Like, don't let the city, or or don't let the quote unquote toxic toxicity of the city is because it's not toxic. Don't let people say that shit. I have no problem with anybody. Zero. I have no drama. I have no beef. I'm I move past. I'm a businessman. Now it's just strictly business. Anything I do is business. It's not personal. I hope no one takes it as personal. Everyone else does business in any other avenue in life. Restaurant chains, gas stations, grocery stores, schools, anything in life. Doctors, lawyers, investment bankers. You know how many realtors it is nowadays? You fucking look on Instagram and social media. Everybody's a realtor. Like, damn, they selling that many houses now? Shit. It's crazy. So me as an event operator of scouting service, like, it's strictly business. It's nothing personal, bro. 
I have no beef. I have no drama. Y'all know what it is. It's a line there. I won't cross, but it's no beef. It's no drama. It's strictly business. I wish everybody success. Anybody you could think of, anybody you thought I had an issue with, I, I wish them success. I hope everybody wins, but I'm going to win for sure because for me, it's business, not personal. I have a platform. Again, I always say this too. I'm a Houstonian. What I get from what I got from basketball, the things I've learned, I'm learned, I'm applying every day in my life with my family, with my wife, with my kids, with my business. I learn from basketball. I want these same kids in this state of Texas, across the country, in Houston, all over the world. I want them to get the same things I got out of basketball. And I want the game to give them the same things. And I'm a perfect ambassador for it because I use basketball to change my life. And that's what I want these kids to do. So regardless of what y'all hear or what y'all think, that's all, yo, I'm, I care about the business of it. And I care about making sure kids got what I got out of the game of basketball. I want these kids to go to the next level and play college basketball and be successful and get out of their environment and get some culture and change their lives, come back and change their, their parents' lives and come back and get degrees, own businesses, become lawyers, engineers, so that they can affect their, their kids and their kids' kids. I said that many times. I only want these kids to get the shit I got out of the game of basketball. That's it. You got a problem with that? You got a problem with me? That's on you. Sorry. That's a slow and cold fact. I have no beef. It's no issue. I'm about the business. I want to compete in every level, in every arena, in every way. And I know kids watching me, and I want them to compete too. When I walk in the gym, I want y'all to compete. Y'all say, hey, Sloan, compete. Anything he does, the competition. These kids see me with my fits and you know, a flyer, a graphic I got, my website, my business. I'm going to compete. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to do nothing underhanded. I'm not going to try to, like, get you shut down. Nothing snaky. I'm going to just compete. That's how I want the kids to do it. Like, I want the kids to compete. I want you to hear me loud and clear. It's strictly business. That's it. And again, Sloan Cold Facts. That's that on that. Um, Sloan Cold Facts. It's episode 22. Been rolling off for a couple weeks because of Final Four. Got kind of crazy. Had some tournaments. Um, next week, I'll have Brand back my. Co-host, a lot of y'all want to see Brandy on the podcast permanently. Everywhere we go, people always say, man, you guys are good on the podcast. Y'all, you know, you guys are great. Y'all got great chemistry. And I keep telling Brandy, she's a real star. But she says she's going to come here and change my show, try to take over. She hate my logo. And, see, and that's why I kind of just want to have her once a month because she try to do too much too fast. And, you know, you got women. Some women got just, man, they got to pump their brakes. And she wanted them. She gonna come on. She don't want the wine. She don't want the wine bottle on the, on the table. She don't like the logo. She want to change how we sit. She want to change the name on the show. Just too much. So I got a slow walker, but um, no, she'll be back next week. I'm excited. I'm, I'm always excited to have her. She's a real star. Brand is a superstar. Whatever she does, she's intelligent, beautiful, great personality. She's funny. She's smart. Uh, she's everything. So uh, she's lucky to have me. Um. So we'll have her back next week. Uh, <laughs> she don't like that. We'll have her back next week. Sloan Cold Facts. It's your host, Marcus Sloan, signing off.